0: live oh i didn't even write a new joke from the esg taffy wheel it's the esg industry's only weekly woke data uh what are we doing a podcast is that what we're doing podcast that's what we're doing okay you can hear me she was complaining of not being able to hear me i just i screwed up intentionally i'm here i'm with you featuring jesse the money whisperer and bs man matt muscardi sort of i have a pre-recorded conversation with Matt that I'll play at the end of the show, Jesse. So you don't get to see Matt today.
1: Aww, we miss him.
0: In today's enormous super giant called April 5th, 2023, some ESG headlines featuring sage CEOs and shareholder protests.
1: Juicy. Sounds juicy.
0: As well as a deep dive into the merger between two horrible, sweaty companies led by horrible white sweaty bros
1: why are they sweaty
0: well you know one of the companies runs wwe the other one runs ufc
1: oh yeah th- which is Those a fighting
0: competition they're just sweaty dudes they're just and as 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 matt eloquently points out they're real horrible human beings unfortunately we'll get to that later i'll spare can't you that, wait. here we can't go can't wait <laughs> Let's discuss the headlines. All right, let's talk about the headlines, Jesse.
1: Okay. What do you have?
0: Okay, so there's a bunch of annual meetings that are starting to happen. This is technically proxy season. It's about to pick up real speed. So we have some meetings that happened at companies that we've been talking about a lot. Okay. We'll start at Credit Suisse. Yeah, so this is the first opportunity since COVID for investors to show up and actually talk to the board and management, and ostensibly this is the last meeting before UBS swallows Credit Suisse. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Jesse, I'm going to take you right to some of the protests that came from the shareholders. Okay. First of all, outside. Several protesters had a were hoisting a severed boat labeled "Crisis Suisse. <laughs> what do you think about like, that one? Like
1: <laughs> a full size. What are we talking? A canoe.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Does, does that one land that hard, Crisis Suisse?
1: No. I don't know it's about that one. Clever enough, but could do better.
0: Inside, one shareholder blasted something that they referred to as bonus mania
1: referring to
0: i guess the the executives are still walking away with large amounts of money despite their (laughs) failure i don't know i I think you're gonna see a theme going here that the swiss are very polite
1: yeah i mean it's great that they're being exposed if that is the case have you been reading about the executives getting bonuses well
0: i'll get to that another another shareholder used a metaphor from christianity to repeatedly <laughs> ask rich. yeah I, I, this is one of the reasons why i was going to do this show solo but since i have no understanding of christianity i wanted to bring somebody on uh, use a metaphor to repeatedly ask when is enough enough what's the metaphor there i don't that's from the bible way. is that <laughs> that's it i don't know <laughs> yeah another i feel like that yeah. could
1: be used widely in any context
0: Another shareholder held up a bag of walnuts as a prop as a prop, saying, "A bag of these is worth about one share <laughs> I don't know not how fair that expensive. one is Expensive. <laughs> not because to be expensive. The small town I lived in in France would have uh, every- i think it was like every weekend during walnut growing season. all the local walnut growers would come with their bags of wal- these giant bags of walnuts. Is like kind of an auction, like a walnut auction.
1: I think it's a, I think it's a pretty decent way to visually represent the decline in value.
0: But are we undervaluing a giant bag of walnuts that that could be pretty expensive? I just don't know if that protest lands either. I don't know if I feel that one. Couldn't a, a big bag of walnuts be worth as much as oh, a yeah. share? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I really.
1: How big was the bag that he was holding <laughs> that, up?
0: Yeah, I don't really know. That's a good question. One young investor took off his shirt to reveal a t-shirt with the words stop the swindle written in red.
1: I don't really get this one much (laughs) Uh,
0: about this one. Another shareholder wore a red tie to represent the fact that I and plenty of others today are seeing red. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I rather feel that I've been cheated by these institutions. Again, very (laughs) polite, no? Yeah. How about this one? I like this one. Shareholder Marcus Huber said, the whole thing, how this happened makes me a little bit angry.
1: Oh. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Not a strong statement.
0: Maybe I'm jealous, Jesse, because we live in a country now that is just so heated and divided that I'm mostly scared to talk to anyone I don't know. But th- this just seems like a very polite way to deal with this incredible collapse, right? I These people just seem really charming and polite about it all.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. That would yeah. This would look very differently here.
0: It would. So you referenced before about the bonuses, so shareholders had a chance to vote on the chair of credit Suisse. they had a chance to vote on all the directors they had a chance to vote on all the pay and and unlike in the u.s these are binding votes so if they vote thumbs down it loses right it's not it's not an opinion these things lose but again the swiss being very polite everything passed by the slimmest of margins most things were like in the 50s like 55 percent but oh, everyone but everybody got their bonuses everybody got their pay all the directors were passed through the chair got so everything even, everybody even
1: these angry yes. people enough of them were polite in their voting yes
0: the whole thing seems just very swiss to me yeah okay all right let's move on jamie diamond ceo and chair at jp morgan he has a new shareholder letter out. We talk a lot about CEOs writing letters to shareholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one we talked about was Larry Fink's at BlackRock. So I want to talk about Jamie Dimon to see if anything seems different to me. And and normally I make fun of these things, but this one's not really to make fun of it. What strikes me about Jamie Dimon's letters is I oddly agree with them. And I know Matt would make fun of me for this, and he always makes fun of me because I always buy what Jamie Dimon is saying. But I don't know why. I just... He, uh, he just gets me. Here we go. And first of all, this first quote is way more than Larry Fink said in his entire letter. He said, the window for action to avert the costliest impacts of global climate change is closing.
1: Wow. Good I job. Mean, look, I,
0: yeah, I mean, I know Matt would would laugh at me because Jamie could directly affect all this and big deal, but he at least said it. Larry Fink also, is too afraid to say Chase, it anymore. Mm-hmm. like
1: one of the worst Banks, in terms of <laughs> probably who they're yeah. funded by and who, yeah. sure they I know. fund. I know. So yeah, I mean, cool, very cool that he's saying it and bringing the topic of conversation, encouraging the, the topic of conversation. But I'd like to see what his actions are.
0: At least he's saying it, though. Larry Fink at BlackRock is now afraid right. to say anything. Chide
1: away from it. What did he not? It didn't even show up once right it was zero times
0: and and don't forget a few years uh, before 2021 i think he was all about that this is the number one problem in society we are doomed if we don't take care of this
1: what a fair weather fan of the climate crisis pun
0: intended or no pun intended (laughs) okay this one another reason why i brought you in jesse he says our board is responsible for succession planning we already have a hit By the truck plan, ready to go. Do we have? What does that mean? It means that if if Jamie Dimon gets hit by a truck, which you know it does happen in Manhattan, I guess they have a plan ready to go right at that moment when he gets hit by a truck.
1: Wow, this is a really good use (laughs) of their time and efforts.
0: Actually, I think this is fabulous. I mean, most companies struggle with succession planning; they don't even try. I I like. Do you think that Uh,
1: means he's leaving soon?
0: Meaning like he's going to get hit by a truck soon?
1: No, just wants out or no?
0: No, I think it means that companies as important as JP Morgan, that if their CEO did suddenly die, they better damn well have a plan in place, right? I mean, you're laughing, but... And as he points out that not all companies can say they have something like this. I don't think most companies take this very seriously. And maybe it's the the ego of the CEO doesn't want to think they can be replaced, but... I just l- appreciate this because I think every company responsible for not only the economy, but for you know 100,000 employees, they should have a plan in place if something catastrophic happens. That's fair. Yeah, That's but they fair. don't, Jesse. They don't.
1: That's pathetic. Is that okay. a governance issue or no?
0: Yes, absolutely. A governance issue. Definitely. Okay. And Jesse, do we have this? D- does each one of us at Freeflow do we have a hit by a truck plan? Like, If you get hit by a truck on your way to get... Like a crumb cake. Do can we <laughs> Do we have a, a replacement for you immediately? Do we? No, we do no. not. I'm going to have
1: to work on that.
0: <laughs> Good. Thank you. As if uh, I didn't yeah.
1: have enough to work on this week. Thank you.
0: Jamie Dommin also went on to say that there are only two ways of mending the frayed American dream. Okay? Okay. Again, this is where he gets me and Larry Fink never gets me. He says, moving towards skills-based hiring... And paying minimum wage workers more.
1: Okay, the moving to skills based hiring—does mm-hmm. that is that a knock on like diversity hiring? No. Or?
0: I actually, it's a good question. I think what's a knock on is college educated mm. college educated workers. His idea is to create a whole new workforce with practical skills. And he focuses on a few industries, advanced manufacturing, cyber, data science, and technology, and healthcare. And he specifically says that this is about skills, not necessarily degrees, and that we're overlooking the people who come out of community colleges, for instance.
1: Would they hire people that didn't go to college? Like, would they hire people out of high school?
0: They could. I, I think the suggestion here is that our education needs to focus more on having s- skills ready people to enter the workforce. I mean, yeah, I I, I yeah.
1: agree with that.
0: Yeah. And I, and I know for instance, in a country like a lot of European countries like France, that the kids pick their career path pretty early on. And then yes. they're, they're essentially set up to find a job. Whereas here it's a bit of a mystery after college. No, I mean, it was for me. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I I had a friend in college who picked her career in her in high school and then they right. like tailored classes towards that. But then isn't that like how do you how the heck do you know what to pick? And
0: it's a good question. Middle but, but,
1: school or high school?
0: Here's my philosophy. A, I agree like we do have to remove the stigma of non-Ivy League colleges in general, but beyond that, I think that colleges if you can't place your graduate in a job within, say, two to five years, whatever random number you want to pick, how about you give the money back? How about you give, you refund the tuition money? That's right? a
1: concept.
0: All right, I mean, it seems pretty easy. Do it. Okay. Love it. Right. The thing that strikes me most about Jamie's letters is he's, he always sounds like a presidential candidate to me.
1: Do you think he's used Ripen, and that's why he's pushing <laughs> for this?
0: Are you plugging the the, the Ripen because we use Ripen? It
1: sounds a lot like he's using it and loves it, loves the concept of it.
0: For those who don't know, Ripen is this incredible company that pairs businesses with current college students, right? Yes. It's like a internship program, essentially, but it's free. It's free to the free to all businesses, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: And then he says his second fix, upping pay for low-wage workers, unskilled laborers are barely scraping by on a so-called living wage. It is hard to live on $15 an hour, uh, blah, blah, blah. So look, again, Matt would, would laugh at me because I'm sure Jamie is in place to make this have already happened, but I still like that it's being said. I know I'm a sucker, but I can't believe more CEOs don't address this issue just like this which is to say how the hell are people living off these wages i mean how are they how are they managing their lives
1: were there any commitments or goals that he outlined
0: fair question i i probably should have looked a little bit more deeply to see if that <laughs> i can get back to you on that <laughs> he, look uh, he said jobs and living wages bring dignity i'm sorry yeah. but ceos don't speak that way
1: i know i just you know I know. Is he just a smooth talker, or is he going to back this up?
0: He is probably just a smooth talker. Yes, but again, I just like these issues being raised. I I think if all, I think we can hold them
1: to a higher standard, don't you? You like the issues being raised. Now, come on, ante up, put the, the practices in place.
0: You are absolutely correct, but there is a lot of peer pressure in the Fortune 500. And, and you sure. see this as an example, you see this with this revolution of more women on the boards in the last 10 to 15 years is that they all do it now because they don't want to be the peer. They don't want to be the person in the industry who's not doing it. Cause I don't actually think they all believe in it necessarily, but they're doing it. They could do more of course, but they're at least doing it. And I think that if these issues were talked about more often, I think that, that we would actually see some change. It's, it's a that. good step. All right. Yeah, fine. Let me move on. <laughs> Starbucks. This is a good one for you because you do a lot of our social media posting. I, I just felt like this reminded me of you. Starbucks Union is using billboards, a brass band, and a butter sculpture to pressure board members from Nike, Lando, Lakes, and Lego. So, So, Jesse... They're actually protesting individual directors at companies.
1: Starbuckses.
0: Starbucks, the Starbucks union, the, the members the of unions. the union.
1: unions, okay, all right. Yeah,
0: so this comes a week after shareholders voted in favor of an investigation into Starbucks labor practices, okay? Hmm. So, I, and again... This sounds a little bit like us. Not that we're, you know, we're not a protest organization, but that, that they're actually taking the fight directly to individual board members. You don't, you really don't ever see this. And I'll give yeah. you some examples. In New York, they had a brass band and a skit, which also sounds like us, in front Corporate of- Corporate Ni- theater. N- yes, in front of Nike's flagship location there in New York City. Another one went to Portland, Oregon- Asking Nike Chief Operating Officer Andrew Campion to just do it again. He's one of the directors at Starbucks. Okay. They went to Minnesota with a butter sculpture uh, <laughs> to target Lando Lake CEO Beth Ford, and then finally in San Diego they had a Lego Movie-style trailer targeting Jorgen Vieg Nudstorp, who's also a director at Starbucks.
1: So I might be I might be missing something mm-hmm. here. Go ahead. Go ahead. But do they does the union hold shares of these companies or why are they acting like activist investors like they're just doing it on principle that they're trying to pick some fights with these companies or are, is there a vested interest in...
0: Well, there is definitely a vested interest. So, I mean, a lot of the major unions do absolutely own shares in these companies. And this is why a lot of them are shareholder. They they put up... And that's votage. through
1: their 401k plans? Right.
0: Exactly. Okay, But in this instance, these are unionized Starbucks w- workers, right? These are the, the unions representing the actual workers. Mm-hmm. But this is because shareholders voted in favor of an investigation into starbucks labor practices right Mm -hmm. a week ago and Mm -hmm. in the united states for some reason these votes are not binding so the company can ignore this vote so so they're going right to the directors to say don't ignore Mm -hmm. this vote we want you to push through this this investigation So love it. Yeah. So they're going right to the again, like I've just never seen this before. It's great. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it's impressive. And the Mm -hmm. fact that they were able to organize this myriad of uh, protesting Mm -hmm. vehicles in the form of butter statues and whatnot, it's in the form of
0: stupid, but often the best protest is kind of stupid. So I like it.
1: They're making statements and to flip Nike's slogan around and use it in their protest. Kind of cool.
0: Yeah, agreed. And finally, let's go to Disney. Disney had a shareholder meeting where Bob Iger was grilled about all the political turmoil going on at, at Disney versus Florida. I mean, specifically versus Governor Ron DeSantis. The headline here is that Bob Iger called Ron DeSantis' actions against Disney anti business and anti Florida. Okay. A little bit of background some shareholders stood up and asked. CEO Bob Iger, if Disney should be taking stances on political issues. Another stood up and said that Disney has turned from a place of magic to a company that is grooming children to LGBTQ ideals. Uh, uh. Yeah, and this is what Bob Iger say. He said, as long as I'm in the job, I'm going to be guided by decency and respect. When we weigh in, it's because it's truly relevant to the business and the people. And that Disney seeks to tell stories that reflect the world around us. So the, I I guess that's his very professional way of saying, go F yourself.
1: I like that. I mean, okay. you can't separate. You really can't separate politics and business.
0: Yes. Especially I mean, we when, try
1: yeah. to. And then sometimes we have to talk about certain political news because it's also business news.
0: Especially when you are essentially a, a media company that is generating content to leave politics out of that in 2023 means you're not even reflecting the society in which you operate in no right right our show today is being sponsored by s gauge your esg data solutions provider so thank you for uh joining me today jesse
1: oh you're welcome thanks s gauge For supporting us, absolutely. Anybody else want to support us? Feel free to reach reach out. out.
0: Okay, let's bring Matt in here. He's going to talk about the merger between WWE and UFC owner Endeavor. They agreed to a massive merger worth twenty-one billion dollars. Endeavor CEO Ari Emanuel will run the combined company as CEO while WWE Majority Owner and Executive Chair Vince McMahon, who we've talked about many times in this show, is assuming the role as Executive Chair.
2: Wow, let's get into this. Let's do this right, <laughs> I already baby. feel
0: like sweaty and gross. Just <laughs> I'm gonna, before you get into it, I want to tell our audience that Ari Emanuel, um, Emmanuel, if you don't know him, is is known to be probably the biggest a-hole in Hollywood. And in fact, so, such a big a-hole that there is a character based on him in a very popular HBO show called Entourage where there's a super agent who who is just a characterization of how terrible this person is. I kid you he, not. They
2: actually... The, the, I saw an interview with Ari Emanuel mm-hmm. and the agent in the show is called Ari Gold right. where they asked... How do you Jeremy feel Piven. about mm-hmm. uh, yeah? How do you feel about this portrayal, which people say is a lot like you? And Ari Emanuel said, like, um, well, at first I was upset because I thought there were a lot of things that weren't true, but there were a lot of things that were true, and that and it made me upset to see them play out that way. Yeah. And now I look back, and it's actually been good for my career. Sure. Like
0: so <laughs> he basically true, said, sp- stated like a true a hole. That's yeah. like I. It is
2: like I am, I, and yeah. I made money from it. I so watched the show.
0: Ninety-nine percent of what that character did was truly uh, abhorrent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So winning yeah. all the winning. way around, mm-hmm. and let's just say that this combination is oh. the ultimate. Is the ultimate. In bro, no pun intended. Unite. Yeah. It, this is the broiest mm-hmm. of bro mergers yeah. that I have ever seen, and the headlines should all read. Look out. Endeav- like private company Endeavor buys other private company WWE. Yeah. Both of these companies are controlled companies. Okay. WWE was controlled by Vince McMahon. Endeavor is controlled by Silver Lake. Okay. And Egon Durbin. And if you know that name. Oh, yeah. It's because that's the zombie director from Twitter who sat on the board after taking an, an activist stake in Twitter before Musk came along. Mm-hmm. He's friends with Musk. Right. And he uh, stayed on the board after investors voted him off of the board. He decided <laughs> to stay on. Yeah. Because Unlike the,
0: the scooters in Paris, he didn't really care about the vote.
2: Yeah. It was not much of a referendum for him. No. So this is really Egon Durbin, one dude, buying Vince McMahon, another dude.
0: Yeah. And if it makes Durbin. You f- yeah. If, uh, I yeah. would say if it makes you feel any worse, uh Elon Musk was on the Endeavor board, right? He was yeah. on the Endeavor yeah.
2: board previously. So there is a lot of interlap. Yeah, he ju- he In fact, only
0: stepped off because he was busy ruining Twitter. Buying Twitter, yeah. right. Sorry, um, ruining, and
2: here's here's the breakdown, mm-hmm. okay? Durbin has 36% of the influence on Endeavor, and Stephen Evans has 29%. He's also of Silver Lake. So they're both the same firm. Okay. They own a combined 69% controlled by effectively Durbin
0: I'm already disturbed I'm I'm already disturbed by these two tech bros who like control all of this like heinous sweaty pummeling and punching and if you don't know what Endeavor is Mm -hmm. they own the UFC Uh they own ultimate um, ultimate Fight? Ultimate Fighting, yeah,
2: League. They own, um, they own a lot of like sports leagues, including like for. professional bull riding. Oh wow, they, uh, yeah, they do. Um, that and they own like advertising and content creation and stuff like that. It's a big like content. Farm, they own
0: the uh, farm. Uh, William Morris Agency. No, isn't that where Ari Emanuel came from? Because in the show, he William plays a Morris super
2: agent. actually William Morris buys IMG, mm-hmm. which is like a another a live event group and the the merger of those two becomes endeavor. That's okay. where Endeavor is. So um but here is Endeavor's the decision making body of the Endeavor, the, the the management team is one of the few times I've ever seen at a publicly traded company, a fake public company in this case, a hundred percent
0: white male management team. One hundred percent. Yeah. Why would anyone not white and male want to be a part of that? <laughs> it's I real mean, I'm It's white winning. and, male and, I, and well, I don't
2: want to be So you already talked about Ari Emanuel, mm-hmm. but you haven't talked about some of the other managers, including Mark Shapiro, who used to be at ESPN. Mm-hmm. He's the ex-CEO of Six Flags. Oh, he I'm, was brought in this, by Dan Snyder. This rings a
0: bell. To be, <laughs> just be like you're, I just feel like you're painting. I feel like you've dipped a paintbrush into a can of vomit, and you're just spreading it on <laughs> things. <laughs> and wait for it.
2: Yeah. He, he then went on after Six Flags like that it was a debacle. He went on to be the CEO of Dick Clark Productions, mm-hmm. which also was bought by Dan Snyder, no who brought intended. him on. Dan Snyder had him be the CEO of that. <sighs> he turns out Mark Shapiro grew up in the town next to Ari Emanuel, and they were friends growing oh, up. So they, they're they like school friends. Got it. Mark is the chair of a, a board called the Captivate Network, which is... a. A private company, but they are also an all-white male board and management team. Now, who's this Endeavor? Captivate Network. They, you know, they do like billboards. You see, like moving billboard bullshit. Uh, Shapiro's on the board of Equity Residential with Sam Zell. Zell is well known for owning the Chicago Tribune, where executives to openly discuss sexual suitability of female employees. Mm. That was something that they like to do, which, really. you know, yeah. classy.
0: This is the worst. <laughs> Shapiro
2: has um, also been on the board of Live Nation, Frontier Communications, which declared bankruptcy, and Papa John's. Oh. Like, th- this is his his legacy. Um, mm-hmm. Patrick Whitesell is another of the management team. He's a colleague of Emanuel uh, at William Morris. Jason Lublin was at William M- Morris. Seth Kraus seems to be the only one with a degree in the arts, so I think that's why they gave him this moniker, the executive champion for LGBTQ at Endeavor. Wait, he's wh- the he's the he's the gay champion,
0: executive champion. Yeah, like executive champion. Yeah, he's an executive champion. That's, that's
2: cute. Um, but this board is a bro fest. Like yeah. Emmanuel and White Cell are both on the board. Durbin joined in 2014. And actually, Durbin invested, uh, joins in 2014. Musk joins afterwards. Durbin invests in Twitter. Mm-hmm. Durbin's on the board of a company called Learfield. White sells on that board. Durbin worked at Morgan Stanley. Krauss worked at Morgan Stanley. Even the women on this board, which there are two, are directly bro with these people. Jacqueline Rhesus was the people lead at Block with Dorsey, Dorsey had Durbin on his board, and they all loved Musk. Ursula Burns on the board of Exxon and Uber. Uber has Dara on the board, and Dara is a Barry Diller acolyte. Diller was an investor in Dan Snyder, who uh, Dan Snyder brought in Mark Shapiro for everything. They all are one little love fest. But here's what Board Sabermetric says to round this out so it's not a six-hour show. There is a massive 29% power gap for women on the Endeavor board. Shocking. And it's about to get massiver because Vince McMahon Ugh. is joining it. Like Vince yeah. McMahon joining the board means now it's an all basically an all-male board. It's already mm-hmm. pretty much an all-male board. Of 107 publicly traded media companies in the United States, WWE ranked last for influence of elite schooled and elite degree board members. And Endeavor ranks 70th of the 107. It's literally a marriage of the less educated. That's basically what we're watching.
0: That's terrible.
2: (laughs) Endeavor also ranks 98th out of 107 for board performance overall, with a miserable batting average of 236. The average company ranks 500. So they are batting 236, and they bat 202 for earnings. Imagine going to your, like, if the board wasn't a controlled company, imagine having to explain why your earnings are amongst the worst in the entire U.S. sector somehow. Not great.
0: That's the show for today, April 5th, 2023. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, S. Gage. Tomorrow on Business Pants, a quiz! See you then.